Everyone knows that real estate is a huge problem in this country today. It's unaffordable, it's inefficient, and there just isn't enough of it to go around the places people really want to live. If you have any doubts, just check out the price of a one-bedroom apartment in San Francisco on Craigslist, and you'll see real quick that there's a big problem. Here's the president talking about another one of these problems, energy efficiency, earlier this summer. Homes built in the first half of the last century can use about 50% more energy than homes that are built today. And because most of our homes and offices aren't energy efficient, much of that energy just goes to waste while costing our families and businesses money they can't afford to throw away. The simple act of retrofitting these buildings to make them more energy efficient, installing new windows and doors, insulation, roofing, ceiling leaks, modernizing heating and cooling equipment, is one of the fastest, easiest, and cheapest things we can do to put Americans back to work while saving money and reducing harmful emissions. The insulation is sexy stuff. Uh, here's, what, here's what's sexy about it. Saving money. Think about it this way. If, if you haven't upgraded your home yet, it's not just heat or cool air that's escaping. It's energy and money that you are wasting. If you saw $20 bills just sort of floating through the window up into the atmosphere, uh, you'd try to figure out how you were going to keep that. Uh, but that's exactly what's happening uh, because of the lack of efficiency in our buildings. Well, wouldn't it be great if we could get around this problem of having to retrofit all these houses by building new houses that were energy efficient from scratch? Well, that would be great, but in places like the Inner Bay Area, Berkeley, Oakland, San Francisco, that ship has already sailed. All the houses have been built, or at least we think they've been built, because there's no more room to build any more new houses. But a new company out of Berkeley called New Avenue Homes is challenging this notion by building energy-efficient houses in the backyards of other houses, thereby solving multiple problems at once, creating new inventory for people to rent, as well as creating energy-efficient houses that leave very little footprint in the environment. Today on Method to the Madness, we interview Kevin Casey, founder of New Avenue Homes, about his innovative model for housing. Stay with us. So the problem we're addressing is uh, it's the housing, affordable housing crisis, some people have said, um, but it really relates to people being able to afford a, a high-quality um, lifestyle, a nice-quality home, um, living in areas that are growing in particular, like we address housing and growing economies, like growing areas, growing economies, the Bay Area being classic example. Um, but basically the entire West Coast and the entire Southwest has got a lot of population growth. And um, at the heart of the matter, like to use the Bay Area example, um, we basically can't sprawl any further to build affordable housing. I and mean, we can build nice suburban houses out in Stockton, but people can't drive that far. It's like physically un- impossible. So the affordability, sustainability, and sort of the quality of life deteriorates. So we try to address that by creating smaller, nicer homes where people work and where people want to live. Okay. And is there what other kinds of solutions are out there for the type of problem you're addressing? Well, solutions would be sources of housing. I mean, you've got mid-rise type developments that are really expensive. They're probably four times the cost per unit than we charge. You know, we can build a house for 100000 roughly. Um, and for that, you say a two-bedroom house, a studio, or like a two-bedroom apartment, um, or even a studio apartment in a 
typical four-story, five-story mid-rise apartment in a place like Berkeley would be 300000 500000 give or take. Per unit. Per unit, yeah. So, you know, they're, they're four times what we are. Um, but so there's infill like that, you know, apartment buildings, and then there's suburban sprawl, really. I mean, housing out, like, if you want to buy a nice house right now, you can go to Tracy and get a great house for 150 or 250000 but you're going to be driving two hours to get to work. Um, so, and that's really, I mean, if you look at housing, I mean, that's it. There's, well, we're at sort of an innovative new model and then there's urban infill apartment buildings and then there's sprawl. And that's so, it. We're on alternative. Yeah. Okay, great. So tell me a little bit about your background and how you kind of came to this. Um, well, my background's, uh, more or less, it's kind of funny. I, I think I turned, uh, I was in business school. I was 32 years old or so. And uh, reading a design magazine with lots of really nice houses. And I said, you know, why don't they make smaller? And it just kind of clicked. It just kind of hit me. And I'd lived in New York City for 10 years with my wife where we lived in small places. Then we moved out here where it's still expensive. Places are a little bit nicer, a little bit bigger, but still expensive. I was like, why can't they just make small, nice two-bedroom homes for people like us? Uh, Turns out people like us, there's a bunch of us, you know, say younger folks that can't afford houses. There's a lot more people that are baby boomers and seniors that want to age in place that have big old houses that's too much house for what they need so they oftentimes downsize so my initial sort of personal need um drove the well sparked the idea but then research sort of drove us another direction towards a whole different crowd um but on on a personal note how did i get here i I realized kind of realized i turned into my father when i was in my 30s because my father's an urban planner my uncle's a general contractor builder so i grew up when i was a teenager you know moving piles of bricks around yards uh so i kind of had the academic and then the actual exposure to the real work side um then studied economics had an interesting uh stint in bali where i studied community development and international development and they actually they have alternative ways of living they have a lot of mixed families and mixed generation households so i got exposed to sort of alternatives to the american norm um and then went to berkeley to get my mba and while i was studying there i was reading that design magazine and said, you know, we might be able to make a go of this. You know, something you said is really interesting where you said about you had the idea hit you when you're reading the design magazine, but then during research, you're, you found your target market to be something different. That's mm-hmm. very much, this shows very much about, you know, the creative process of creating new and interesting and innovative ideas. Tell me a little bit about that process of, of the research phase of this idea. Um, yeah, well, I'd say I was probably influenced by One of the best uh, professors I had at Haas, Steve Blank, who I'm sure is popular, you know, in all the startup circles. Um, And I think his he's got a lot of lessons in his course. But the one that comes up 10 times per class is get out of the building and talk to people. So I sort of saw some pretty pictures, had a decent idea, figured I'd do, do a little research. Our research was we went door to door in different communities around the Bay Area. In particular, we went near BART stations, because we said, well, if you're going to build small houses in existing communities, you might as well do it where there's transit. Uh, And then we just found out that in some neighborhoods, a lot of people are doing this. Other neighborhoods, no one's doing this. And then we asked people, you know, who did it? What was your motivation? You know, what drove you here? And it sort of slowly pulled us, um, you know, in that direction that we're going now. Um, And then also, once we got a little bit of press and people started calling us, you realize there's certain trends among people that are calling you. Um, So, yeah, but we Probably the original idea was modular housing, which gets a lot of PR and sort of gets trumped up in the press. Uh, And we said, well, if we can get modular housing and we can make small homes and we can weave them into communities where people want to live, it's a no-brainer. 
uh, modular housing we dropped within like three months because that we just realized like you can't fit. It's like you know, what's the phrase? Uh, square peg, round hole, kind of thing. It's just like you can't fit um, big boxes down most of the streets that we would build on, and you can't fit them between properties. You know, if you have an old community in Oakland, for example, houses might be twelve feet apart on average or less. You know, you can't fit a fourteen foot wide house down a twelve foot wide driveway. It's just, or there's power lines in between, and it's just impossible. So, so a modular it. house is something that just comes ready built in a big box, and you just drop it in. It comes, it's manufactured somewhere else. Yeah, it's built as a. You know, there's lots. There's different ways people try to build modular or or prefab. Um, at the end of the day, custom construction uh, done by you know well experienced, well experienced crews is more affordable you get a higher quality product you get custom design you get a lot of stuff that people want you just get a really really nice home or you can get exactly what you want for a very marginal increase in cost or sometimes you'll save some money depending on the logistics of having a big box driven built in a factory driven down the highway craned into place and all that so but yeah to the point of innovation and all that our original one of our original ideas was dropped within a couple of months and we'll still do modular homes on occasion but it's just not a core strategy or a core product or anything. You're listening to KALX Berkeley 90.7 FM, streaming on the World Wide Web at kalx.berkeley.edu. This is Method to the Madness, a 30-minute show about the innovative spirit of the Bay Area, and I'm your host, Ali Nazar. Today's guest is Kevin Casey, founder of New Avenue Homes. Well, so you had your kind of moment of inspiration, <clears throat> excuse me, while... Um, reading the design uh, book. Mm-hmm. Um, and so let's talk about like how you translated that. You did the research and take us to the timeline of actually launching this, which is, can be, for many entrepreneurs, can be a very um, daunting mm-hmm. thing is to, to kind of take the leap. You got a great idea. I have lots of friends who have millions of ideas, but they don't really take action on it. Mm-hmm. How did you break out through and take action on your first house? Well, so the first, well, first spark was uh, August of 2008, so we're a good, solid three years now. Um, that was between my first and second year of business school, and you know, at, I studied, was getting my MBA at Berkeley. And uh, the, well, one of the lucky things about business school is you, you know, you're not, you're in school, you're not working, so you've got a, you can, you got time. So we did the research over the course of the year. I roamed around campus and found anyone and everyone I could find from engineering schools to the planning school to, you know, the business school, you know, undergrad, you name it. Uh, the Berkeley labs had a you know bunch of scientists that contributed great thoughts and sort of inspiration. Um, we ended up finding a client through one of these teams that I'd recruited. And that's, well, another great help that we got was we picked up a grant from the Clinton global initiative. Uh, and we also got a grant from UC Berkeley. So we had a small sum of money that sort of gave us a little spark and kind of gave us a little credibility that helped us recruit some teams. Um, and then through these teams and more or less talking to everyone I could talk to all day, every day for half a year, we ended up finding someone who became a client and that was enough to really, it was still nerve wracking. I mean, you know, coming out of a business school, (laughs) walking away from on-campus recruiting and pretty secure jobs. Um, but we had a client, we had a tested idea and we had dozens of people that had contributed insights and sort of helped in the testing and the research so you know we had seemed to have a pretty good shot at it what was the process of getting the grant from the clinton global initiative like um well 
At that point, you just had a plan. <laughs> you didn't really have any. Yeah. Well, it's funny. So it's one specific grant is really easy. It's a two-page essay and you get it. But the reality is we applied to like probably 50, maybe 100 different grants. So it was a lot of time. Um, it's been great, though. Clinton Global Initiative, we're still involved. They invited us out to CGI America a month ago. Um, and there's different events that we get sort of brought into. But, uh, yeah, it was – I mean, at the end of the day, we had – we had a couple of pages of a research paper. Um, this is like a mini white paper, basically. Yeah, that we sub- we drafted and we edited that, submitted, and ended up getting picked for a grant. Okay, and um, do the, does the CGI have um, like a, a green building, like uh, you know, cohort or something like that, where you can you know yeah. mix ideas with other people who are doing the same thing types of things? Yeah, I think we were in. Um, a well, they actually gave us it was like a green home project is what they they titled it, but it was within a energy and environmental tract that they have because yeah they've CGI Clinton Global Initiative or Clinton Foundation as a whole. I mean, most people know that goes everywhere like human rights to well energy would be one of uh, they must have ten different buckets that they drop people into. But yeah, we we're on the environmental energy and environmental side, so we were put into that. Um, we did we've connected with a ton of students. Uh, it's really it, I don't know, fascinating organization, but uh, yeah. So we were in the energy and environmental group. And that okay, was, that was it. So the early spark came from a couple of grants that you got, mm-hmm. and you got the first client. Yep. So that first client was in Berkeley. Yes. Okay. And what were you to, going to build there? Um, so it was a single mother lives in West Berkeley, works as a professor at Cal, and uh, had some family obligations, and also had an interest in some income and also had an interest in just the overall model. Um, so we, uh, we built a small studio with a loft. So you could argue really stretch it a little bit to say it's a one bedroom, but it's by no, it's definitely a studio. It's a living room an upstairs loft, a kitchen and a bathroom. And it's in the back corner of a house over in West Berkeley. So it's, uh, I mean, she wanted like a cute little cabiny looking home and that's what we built, designed and built and, Actually, people have the response was overwhelming. We had an open house. Well, the funny thing was, she signed on September of 2009. Design took us, it was our first client. So it basically took a year to design it and build it and get it permitted and get it done. And then we took a few months and then had an open house. And that was like by the time that timeline passed, it was January of this year. Um, we had an open house and I was expecting. I was hoping to get like 50 people or so so I could get a picture and kind of put it up on the website and make it look like we had a, something exciting. We ended up having the mayor of Berkeley. The mayor of Oakland came by the day prior. It was busy the day of, but well, former mayor of Oakland. But we had the mayor of Berkeley, mayor of El Cerrito, heads of a couple of nonprofits, and then 500 people stroll through. So that's when that's when you really know you're kind of going the right direction. Um, so that was, yeah, that was good. I wouldn't call it a launch event. It was going to be a small open house, but... That led to some press and some traffic, and it was pretty good. And um, <clears throat> so the model is for peop- for homeowners who have extra land in the back mm-hmm. to create a income-generating structure back there. Is that the general idea of it? Um, that's the general idea. That's another – well, speaking of sort of figuring out what your clients – who your clients are, um, our clients are smart and savvy, and they view it as an investment. But that's not their motivation, you know. So they do the numbers. They say okay, and they'll compare it. And they'll take literally take money out of their IRA or their four hundred one k. I just talked to someone, two people today who are doing that. 
Um, so they'll think it through, but that's not their motivation. Most people do it because they've got a family member or a friend or just a general sort of interest in having someone around. So there's uh, motivations aren't always number driven, you know, or, or return driven. So yeah, that's that's it. But it, the model is really a people that have extra space. Well, a lot of our clients, there's different ways of segments, but there's remodels, there's additions, and then there's you know new backyard cottages. So we'll do all three. Our focus is exclusively on something that has a kitchen and a bathroom and is a real home. It doesn't have to be a distinct separate home in the back corner. Um, but most people that own a house can put something like this in. There's a California law that encourages it. So that gives people the right to do it. So, um, and we have designers that will help work with people depending on budget and goals and, uh, sort of property features. We'll figure out whether an addition, a renovation or a distinct cottage makes the most sense. And what, why limit yourself to just kitchens and, and, you know, separate units? Why not just become a full fledged general contractor who does all sorts of stuff? Well, we are – well, technically we are a general contractor, although we usually use third-party builders that are our partners, and we partner with people that are in the towns where we're operating. Um, and, and those are general licensed general contractors. Uh, the reality is, well, part of our model is is that we're trying to help people create income-producing properties that we can then secure the income the that will come off of that, which what I mean by that is – uh, similar to, well, what I mean by that is we'll put, we'll put up the money and the, the client doesn't have to pay us. Instead, they can let their tenant repay us via the rent. Um, so what that means is people that have equity in their home but don't want to or can't get a mortgage or home equity or whatever, but they still want to either share their house with somebody who can afford to pay a nominal, sort of a, at least a minimal rent, or they want to make a couple of extra bucks. Um, there's an interesting crowd, which is a huge number of people that – especially, well, in California in particular. And this crowd is people that own houses that maybe they're a half-million-dollar house, maybe it's a million-dollar house. You know, some people are living in two-million-dollar houses. But a lot of these, like, you go to nice communities. It doesn't matter if it's, like, Marin or Palo Alto or Berkeley. You've got all these, let's just say it's million-dollar homes or half-million-dollar homes. Um, you've got a decent percentage of the of the of an average block would be owned by people that bought the houses recently and paid big sum. But then there's a significant percentage, and I, I can't tell you exactly what it is, but in a lot of communities we did figure out it's 30 to 40%. And these are people that have bought their homes, let's just say, 40 years ago, and they paid off the mortgage and they're just living in it. And they might be surrounded by millionaires, but they're actually living off $20,000 a year, $30,000 a year. And the last thing they want to do is get a mortgage, get locked in a corner, or possibly lose their house because they took out a loan that they can't pay. So for that scenario, we'll actually finance the second unit. We'll pay for it, and we'll say, you don't have to pay us back. You can let the tenant pay us back. Um, and that's really our, a model that we're pushing forward. And in order for that model to work, you have to have a kitchen and a bathroom and actually be able to rent it out. Um, okay. So that, that means that you guys have to line up the capital. Yep. Is that right? Yep. And so is that for, for your fundraising efforts, is it mostly around for that purposes or I'm I'm sure you need working capital for. Yeah. We've raised a little bit of money. We're actually raising a round of like classic angel investment financing from impact investors and people that are sort of socially or environmentally motivated, but also some people that just think it's good business and think we're going to go public and make them a bunch of money, but uh, generally a mix of the two. But uh, the the real needs in this company are, yeah, is institutional capital, debt, uh, more traditional capital, larger scale, so that we can just 
finance the cost of construction. Yeah, because you're you're kind of going along the lines of the solar companies' power purchase agreements, where mm-hmm. they it's a very capital intensive business, um, but then they have all these contracts that are paying them, you know, fixed amounts for a long period of time. Although you have some a little bit more risk than that, I would think, because those homes have to stay occupied. There have to be a renter there to pay the money, right? Um, yeah, there's certainly, um, renters are less reliable than electricity usage, you might say. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's some, there's some additional risk. There's some higher return cause we're, you know, people pay more for rent than they pay for their electric bills. There's the execution is the big challenge for us. I mean, you've got to design a home that somebody, that the primary homeowner wants. It's a lot different from throwing a solar panel on your roof. Um, so we've built up in-house design staff, um, that's really got a huge focus on entitlements, which is the building permits and the zoning permits, um, and then structural engineering and then construction. So it's like for us, it's not just a rectangular panel that you plug in on the roof and you sign a contract and you finance it. It's, you know, creative design. Then there's dealing with building and planning department personalities. Then there's construction and there's some different parties involved. You know, there's the primary homeowner, there's the tenant, and there's personalities of people involved in the permitting process. You're listening to KALX Berkeley 90.7 FM, streaming on the World Wide Web at kalx.berkeley.edu. This is Method to the Madness, a 30-minute show about the innovative spirit of the Bay Area, and I'm your host, Ali Nazar. Today's guest is Kevin Casey, founder of New Avenue Homes. So let's talk about the design, because there's a very much a green element to this, mm-hmm. or a sustainable element. Talk about that kind of part of your business. Um. Well, the biggest win is there's. I, I always kind of joke. There's like two t- sides of green. There's the stuff that people pick because they're green products: bamboo floors, recycled glass counters. You know, you name it. Like we have fire clay tile in one of our homes. It's recycled glass and it's a uh, recycled porcelain. You know, old sinks and stuff. And those are the products that are like sort of the fun, sustainable products. And those are great. There's, I mean, I love them. But what makes our product sustainable? Like our first home was net zero energy. And especially in the Bay Area, if you build a new house and you insulate it well and you use decent windows, you're going to have, and, and it's a small home and it's near transit. And like we've run numbers where our houses are 90% less, would use 90% less energy on average than like your average home in the, the same neighborhood, same community. It's just because they're smaller, they're newer, they're well insulated. And that's the big win right there. So yeah, insulation kind of takes the, the, um, excitement out of sustainability it's like you put a lot of that in you're you pretty much won especially if you're you know giving people the option to drop a car take the bart to work and all that i mean it's just that's the win right there okay so so um from a materials perspective you've got the win but also from the fact that you're designing from ground up to be net zero yeah and well and yeah and then i guess one point is it's behavioral change it's like Instead of having a house that's got five extra rooms, you've got a house with one extra room. And then um, instead of you know, driving all the time and driving to work and doing whatever else, you're you're walking, riding your bike, or taking a train. So those behavioral changes, the, the shrinking the size and then changing the way you, your lifestyle really, basically changing the way you live is the is the one of the big upsides. So your first house was in Berkeley. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many have you done since? We've got... 12 underway now and four that we've finished. Um, so 16 total. Okay. And where are they? Scattered around the Bay Area, anywhere from San Jose to 
a lot in Berkeley still, Oakland, San Jose, in between, some on the peninsula, um, San Mateo. If you had to compare the entitlement processes of different cities with Berkeley, is kind of famously, you know, bureaucratic. Is it the toughest or you don't have to answer uh, that question? No, I'll tell you. The uh, um, Berkeley prides itself on being the toughest, but unfortunately it's actually not that bad. Berkeley's pretty fair. Um, it's still confusing. I wouldn't recommend trying to figure it out on your own. It's not worth the brain damage. Um, but it's just the planning process is tough everywhere. I was just uh, San Jose is tough. Contra Costa County is tough. The real problem, actually, if you want to get to the heart of the matter, is um, cities tend to be decent. Counties tend to be really tough. So, and there's there's a disc. They don't connect to each other necessarily. So you might be able to breeze through a city and get a permit in a month, and it'll cost you three grand. And then you get surprised by forty thousand dollars in fees from county traffic and sidewalk and park fees and all sorts of stuff. So Berkeley doesn't have that. So Berkeley's pretty good. Oh, Oakland's good. great. Inner East Bay is really good. Peninsula gets a little tricky. I would think that the peninsula would be a great place for you in terms of people who would want this. Oh, it's, yeah, without a doubt. Um, future of the company is probably the peninsula. That's where the jobs are, Silicon Valley. One of my favorite examples of uh, sort of why people need these types of homes is um, the Association of Bay Area Governments puts together sort of a job map for what's the sort of epicenter of, of, of the economy, which is Cupertino. Uh, in Cupertino, your average house is over a million bucks. Um, but also in the Bay Area, your average income, household income, is 90000 So it's 11 times your income to buy a house. If you're an average person with an average job at the center of our economy, you're not buying a house. You know, In order for you to buy a house that's affordable, you got to go either two hours south past Gilroy or two hours east out towards Livermore and all that, um, which is just you know pretty tough. So, yeah, the peninsula, I mean, that's where, that's where the jobs are, so it's where the people are. Um, next stop would be Southern California after that. So, so you're as uh, an entrepreneur, you're getting to the classic stage of scale where you're, you know, you did one and it worked. Now you're getting press and things are happening Mm -hmm. and it becomes a whole new ball game of how do you manage 14 Mm -hmm. concurrent construction projects. So how are you guys handling that challenge now? Well, fortunately we've got some good partners. Well, so we've got a, four people in the company and we kind of do well we meet with the clients early on we get through the design process which is really architectural design and structural engineering um and then we do the permitting as well but we partner and we've been fortunate to get some really great contractors that we can work with in the different cities where we're operating so the scale thing is i mean it's certainly we've had over a thousand percent growth in the past six months you know we went from one house to ten um in well the first couple of months of this year so that's certainly a big step up uh at the end of the day though it's i mean the way we're handling it is we've got well division of labor right i mean i guess that's classic way to do it but we work with people who can handle i mean we've got in-house capability to handle the paperwork for hundreds of homes and then we've got partners that can each do 50 homes so it's uh the the builder partners i should say so it's really uh you know, we're not going to sign up for 500 homes next year and try to do that. Like certainly there would be tensions, but it's not that hard to go from 1 to 10, nor is it that hard to go from 10 to 50. Uh, at some point, I'm sure we're going to hit some sort of pain point. Um, but for now, it's going pretty well. So with that model, you would think that it would be conceivable in the next few years to go national with something like this. 
It'd be good. It's a good idea. That's, yeah. <laughs> is that the vision? That's usually the last question I ask is, yeah. what's your vision? Five years from now, what's New Avenue Homes look like? Yeah, we'd certainly like to be doing 1,000 homes a year. Probably doing, it would be great to do 10,000 homes a year. That'd be a billion-dollar-a-year company. Maybe not five years, but 10 years from now, we'll get to a billion. Um, yeah, we'd like to make it so that anyone who wants one of these, we provide everything they need, the design, the construction, the financing. So it's just a matter of we provide all the resources homeowners need to be able to take their single-family house and convert it into two homes um, so they can share it with a senior, a young couple, a family member, a friend. So the vision would be to say anyone in California or any of the other growing cities in the west or the southwest um, who wants this type of home, who wants to convert their typical suburban home into two, you know, we'll be able to help them. Well, that's a powerful vision from a smart entrepreneur. We'd like to thank Kevin for joining us today on Method to the Madness. You can learn more about Kevin Casey's business, New Avenue Homes, at newavenuehomes.com. You've been listening to Method to the Madness on KALX Berkeley, 90.7 FM. You can learn more about us at methodtothemadness.org. Have a great Labor Day, everybody. Goodbye.